Hey, let me give you the math. The average Canadian kid has less than a 1% chance of making it to the NHL. Approximately one in 12,000 high school basketball players will ever make it to the NBA. One in 12,000 will ever line up beside LeBron. 2% of all actors go on to make a living wage from their craft. 2%. 0.2% of musicians reach what is categorized as mega stardom while 91% of musicians fit into the category of what the business calls wholly undiscovered. Here's one for you. 0% of 38-year-olds playing in their local men's slow-pitch league will ever become major leaguers. But no one told that to the guys on the team I used to play on. They were so intense. They took things so seriously. You would have thought there were like literally Blue Jays and Red Sox scouts in the bleachers. Okay, for the record, there were not. In fact, usually there was no one in the bleachers. Right? Like, chill out, guys. Right? We all have to go to work tomorrow. Now, I'm not trying to pour water on anybody's dreams. If you have dreams to, to, to make it in one of these areas, more power to you. You go for it. I'm simply giving you the math. This is just the reality. And if the odds are stacked against us this much when it comes to simply making it in one of these areas, how much more difficult would it be to actually end up in a Hall of Fame in one of these sports? Like almost impossible or to actually like win an Oscar or a Grammy. You know, the truth is Hall of Fames are reserved for a very, very select group of people. But when it comes to faith, well, that's a different conversation. And I can say that, I can say that it's a different conversation and that we actually have a shot at this thing because when we look at the Faith Hall of Fame in Hebrews 11, we find the name of a man named Jacob. And you see, Jacob, well, he's us. His is a life of wrestling, and oh, how we wrestle. Jacob, his name means heel grabber, because before he was even born, Jacob wrestled with his twin brother Esau in his mother's womb, wanting to be born first. He literally grabbed at his brother's heel. Get back here. And how often do we wrestle with the need to be first? I think we all struggle with that sometimes. We wrestle for self-preservation. We grab at heels to gain position and recognition. We are Jacob. But his wrestling didn't stop after he was born. Jacob wrestled for his father Isaac's approval. His brother was older. Esau was bigger. He was stronger. He was a hunter. Esau was his father's favorite, and it ate Jacob up. You know, how many of us wrestle for acceptance and approval from other people? Maybe a parent or maybe like a boss or maybe a friend group. We are Jacob. Jacob wrestled for provision. He stole his brother's birthright through lying and deception to ensure that he received the family blessing rather than Esau. 
Ever told a little white lie to to get ahead, to get something that you wanted? Ever doubted that God would provide what you needed? We are Jacob. And he just kept wrestling. Jacob wrestled for love, right? He ends up living with his uncle Laban and he falls madly in love with Laban's daughter, Rachel. And so he works hard for seven years to get the opportunity to marry Rachel. And then when his uncle Laban tricks him into marrying his other daughter, Leah, Jacob has to work seven more years to finally land the love of his life. Have you ever wrestled for love? Compromised yourself? Fought for meaning that you thought you could find in another person? Only to find out that other people actually can't provide you with the things that are missing in your soul? We are Jacob. And he wasn't finished. Jacob wrestled with his work, always trying to pin down wealth through unscrupulous methods. Hey, ever been captured by the allure of money? Look to find comfort and and put your confidence in riches and the materialistic pursuits that our culture just worships? We are Jacob. See, Jacob's whole life was a life of struggle and many of us feel like our lives have been a struggle from the day we were born up until now a fight, an exhausting wrestle, trying to pin down meaning and wrangle joy and get a grip on real, authentic, unconditional love only to find that it always slips from our grasp. Right? We all struggle with heel grabbing. You know, Jacob is often a biblical character that we critique and we regard with contempt. We often look at his story and we think like, how could someone act like that? What was that guy even thinking? But the truth is, we are a lot more like Jacob than we might like to admit. And he embodies many of the things that we actually don't like about ourselves. His life was marked by struggle, striving, and wrestling. And yet, here he is in the Faith Hall of Fame in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 21. And I am so glad he is in here. I'm so glad. I'm so glad this list in Hebrews 11 contains a man as flawed as Jacob. Because Jacob makes this accessible for you and I. Right? Because in many ways, he is you and I. And so how? That's the question, right? Right? How does this man whose life contains so much struggle find his name on this impressive list? And what could he possibly teach us about what it means to have a deep and abiding faith in God? By wrestling, of course. Right? In all of his wrestling, Jacob would engage in a specific wrestling match that would define his life and transform his heart forever. And through this wrestling match, we can also learn how to develop a deeper and more dynamic life of faith. Turn to Genesis chapter 32. Genesis 32, we're going to be looking at verses 22 through 31. That's where we find this wrestling match. Let me read it for us. That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 sons and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone. 
and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? And then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. And therefore, to this day, the Israelites do not eat the tendon attached to the socket of the hip, because the socket of Jacob's hip was touched near the tendon. Okay, wow. <laughs> what just happened? Such an incredible story. You know, Martin Luther once called what we just read the most mysterious story in the Old Testament, and there are many. That's saying something. Okay, Jacob has a unique encounter with an unknown man who seems to appear out of nowhere, and this man suddenly engages him in a wrestling match. Right, so strange. And at first, Jacob thinks he's wrestling a man. Then he believes possibly an angel. By the end of the encounter, Jacob names this place where this happened, Peniel, which means the face of God. Because he's come to the revelation that he had actually just struggled, wrestled with the Lord Almighty. You know, many commentators believe this is a, a theophany, which is an Old Testament appearance of Jesus Christ himself. And now the Lord could have broken into Jacob's life in more traditional ways, but he chose to engage in a wrestling match with him. What an introduction, right? Now, now remember, we are Jacob. I love this quote by Pastor Nathan Asang. He writes, we are the spiritual descendants of Jacob. We are the people who wrestle with God. Of course, God could squish us like a bug in a nanosecond, but for our benefit, God is always available to wrestle with us. At whatever level, we are capable of wrestling. God sent Jesus into the world to wrestle with us, and Jesus allowed himself to get pinned on a cross, and that's what it took for us to experience the love that flows from God. What he's saying is that wrestling with God is a natural part of everybody's faith journey. And it's in this life-changing wrestle that Jacob's life is forever altered and it becomes the defining moment of his faith. This event will transform him forever. And as we dig into the story, I, I think there are some things that can help define our faith life and that can be transformational to us. Right, Jacob is wrestling with the Lord, and in verse 26, Jacob says, I will not let you go until you bless me. Man, so bold, so brazen, and we're not sure what kind of blessing Jacob was hoping for, but 
He was about to receive a blessing far beyond anything he could ever hope for or imagine. The blessing of faith. And Jacob's wrestle with God can teach us about leaving behind an impotent and surface level faith and walking in the deep, vibrant faith life that God has for us. Firstly, to experience this kind of faith, authenticity with Jesus is non-negotiable. Okay, authenticity, authenticity, honesty with Jesus is not negotiable. Look at verse 27. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Okay, just to be clear, the Lord knew Jacob's name. Okay, we know that, right? Of course the Lord knew his name when he asked him what it was. He knew who Jacob was. But he forced Jacob to acknowledge who he was. Verse 24, it tells us that Jacob was all alone. He had sent his family, his possessions over the river. He was alone, nowhere to hide, just him. No one to push blame onto, no one to point attention to, no one, just him and God. When the Lord says, who are you? What is your name? Like what a moment of vulnerability laid bare in front of God. Who are you, God asks. Jacob, he answers. See, I believe Jacob, God wanted Jacob to acknowledge who he was. I'm Jacob, meaning literally in Hebrew, I'm the deceiver. I'm the supplanter. I'm the overreacher. I'm the heel grabber. In this moment with God, this wrestle, Jacob had to wrestle with who he really was as he answered that question with every underhanded and unscrupulous thing he had ever done and the list was exhausted. Okay, don't miss the location of this wrestling match because it's not coincidental and it's not unimportant. Verse 22 tells us that it's beside a river called Jabbok which means in Hebrew, he will empty. And it's beside this river called he will empty that God empties Jacob of his pride and his ambition and his selfishness. He empties him of any false identities that he has created. Remember, this is the same guy who posed as his own brother to get his father's blessing, tried to deceive Isaac by taking on the identity of his brother. But in this moment, God says, no, who are you? What is your name? I am Jacob. That's who I am. And see, that's where real faith begins. When we come alone face to face with God and get really honest about who we are, and about our spiritual condition without him. As we recognize, as we confess our depravity before God and humbly say, Lord, empty me of all that is me and fill me with all that is you, that God says, now I've got someone I can work with. Someone willing to honestly confess their hopeless state, to take their mask off, somebody willing to be emptied so I can fill them. See, Hall of Fame faith starts with that kind of honesty with God. 
Jesus says in Luke 12, there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What you have said in the dark will be heard in the daylight and what you have whispered in the ear, in the inner rooms will be proclaimed from the rooftops. See, we can't hide anything from God anyway. And he doesn't want us to. This is where faith starts. Jesus isn't looking for people who are perfect, but people who are, who are engaged in an authentic process of becoming more like him. People who say, like David said, search me, O God. Know my heart. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. What a prayer. What a scary prayer, but what an awesome prayer. People who will come honestly and empty. People who will answer when God asks, who are you? I'm, I'm Jacob. I'm a person who is broken I'm a person who's naturally self-seeking. I'm a person who tries to do things independently. I'm a person who needs a savior. You know, the most powerful relationships in our lives are the honest ones, aren't they? They just are. Relationships that are built on trust and honesty. It's no different with our relationship with God. It's not. In fact, when we give voice to our complaints to God, give him our worries, our doubts, our weaknesses, like we're not telling God anything he doesn't already know. He knew Jacob's name when he asked what it was. What we're doing is emptying ourselves. Laying ourselves bare in front of him in honesty, asking for his strength in our weakness. Hey, where do you need to get real with God? where you've been hiding things, maybe things you've been ashamed of. Sins and, and struggles from your past or your present. It's okay, we are Jacob. We all have weaknesses and fears and sin in our lives that we need to acknowledge before the Lord. For those holding back from God today, wearing masks with him, this alone could transform your faith life. When it comes to a Hall of Fame faith, honesty with God, it's not just the best policy, it, it's actually non-negotiable. It's where it starts. And we can be real with God, he loves us, he doesn't judge us harshly like the world does, he heals us. And he provides us mercy and he's waiting for you to come just as you are right now. Come as Jacob. Okay, but he doesn't leave us there. He gives us a new identity. Look at the next verse, verse 28. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and humans and have overcome. Okay, to walk in a hall of fame faith is to walk in your new Jesus identity. In a single moment after Jacob is honest about his true nature, I am Jacob, the Lord gives him a brand new name. He says, no, you are Israel, my son. Okay, this is a, a prophetic pointer of what was to come as the Jewish nation of Israel would literally come through Jacob's offspring. But this is also a new beginning for Jacob. 
And this is what God does when we come to the the cross of Christ in humility and honesty about our condition. God gives us a brand new identity. You know, our culture is so interested in the journey of discovering who we really are about our individual identity. Like, who are you as a person at your core? There's personality tests. There's BuzzFeed quizzes that are available everywhere to help tell us who we are. Right, the world encourages us to look within ourselves to find our identity. Our natural tendency is actually to look externally at things like our, our careers, our relationships. Who am I? I'm, well, I'm a dad, I'm, I'm a husband, I'm a teacher, I'm a pastor, whatever. See, we continually assign ourselves identities and then we live out of that identity. That's how, how we're wired. That's what we do. But God has given us a brand new identity in Christ and it's not meant to be theoretical. It's meant to be incredibly practical. This new identity is actually meant to direct the way that we live every day. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. If you've come to God through the cross of Jesus, you aren't Jacob anymore. You are Israel Your name used to be spiritual orphan, now it's child of God. Your name used to be enemy, now it's friend. Your name used to be lacking, now it's complete in Christ. That's who you are. Your name used to be alone, now it's a member of God's family. You're a member of God's family, that's who you are. Your name used to be guilty, now it's free from condemnation. Here's one, your name used to be dead twig. Now it's branch of the true vine. Your name used to be mess. Now it's masterpiece. That's who God says you are. Your name used to be Jacob. Now it's Israel. That's who we are, but so often we forget it. I mean, so did Jacob. I find it so interesting that after this encounter with the Lord, we see his name kind of go back and forth as we continue in his story from Jacob to Israel, and we do the same, right? We don't operate in a hall of fame faith always because we forget our new identity in Christ. We look in the mirror and we see Jacob instead of Israel. We see our old selves rather than the person who God sees. You know, sometimes I think that like our minds, we understand what the Bible says about this, about how much God loves us, about how valuable we are to him. But sometimes we we just have this struggle, right? This trouble accepting it and walking in it. But God has not given us a new identity just for when we arrive in heaven. Your new identity is meant to be walked in now. 
God wants us to live out our God-given identity and purpose so we could further advance his kingdom and walk in a dynamic faith life with him. And on the other hand, the enemy will do anything in his power to prevent us from remembering who we are in Christ. To enslave us in the past, to keep us as Jacob, And that makes it impossible to walk in a hall of fame faith. Hey, the past is real. Absolutely. The hurts are real. The mistakes are real. And so we deal with our past. Absolutely. That's a part of the amazing work that that Freedom Sessions does. If you're struggling with identity issues, I strongly encourage you to look into Freedom Sessions for yourself here at Compass. We deal with the past. But we don't stay there. Because at some point, if we want to experience a dynamic, supernatural faith relationship with God, we need to start believing we are who he says we are. And more importantly, we need to start living like it. And the best way to do that, the best way for that to happen is through intimacy with God. Look at the next verse, verse 29. Jacob said, Please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you need, why do you ask my name? And then he blessed him there. See, a Hall of Fame faith pursues intimacy with Jesus. I love that it wasn't enough for Jacob to simply let the Lord know who he was. I'm Jacob. But he longs to know who God is. Please tell me your name. What a, what a beautiful intimate picture what a conversation that's going on in this wrestle of faith it turns into a wrestle of intimacy of being known by god i'm jacob but by knowing god and it's in this wrestle for intimacy the text says that he blessed him there see the blessing that jacob so desired he found there alone talking wrestling tangled up with the almighty see we can't fully walk in our new identity until we fully know the one who's given it to us we won't fully trust god for amazing things until we fully know god we'll maintain a surface level faith relationship with jesus if we Maintain a surface-level relationship with Jesus. We get a Hall of Fame faith as we wrestle with God. Wrestling, you know, that's an intimate sport. It's not like tennis, right, where the opponent is way on the other side of a net. Wrestling is intimate as we wrestle with God in prayer. As we grapple with him in his word, God, What does this mean? What are you speaking to me? As we hang on tight to him in worship, I just want to be connected with you. As we get tangled up with his people in community, it's in this place of intimacy that just like Jacob, the blessing we desire from the Lord is given. And the blessing of this intimacy, it leads to awe. 
See, a Hall of Fame faith stands in awe of Jesus. Look at the next verse. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it's because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. Kid, the once brazen and selfish Jacob, he doesn't come away from his encounter with the Almighty God smug and arrogant. He comes away in holy fear, grateful that he's still breathing face-to-face with God. Like, can you even? When we come face-to-face with him in an intimate relationship, when we experience his love and witness his power and his holiness, awe is the byproduct. And where there is awe of God, there is faith in God. You know, it's precisely the reason after Isaiah saw the Lord face to face in Isaiah chapter 6, after he falls down in awe, woe to me, I am ruined. I am a man of unclean lips living among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty, the same King Jacob saw. It's after this, the byproduct uh, was a hall of fame faith. Because then Isaiah says what? He says, here I am. Send me. I've seen the glory of the Lord and now I'm willing to step out into anything he's asking me to do. See, faith and awe are interconnected. That which we believe God for is directly proportionate to our perception of who God is. I'm gonna say that again. That which we believe God for is directly proportionate to our perception of who God is. And when we truly know him as he is, we will trust him to do not just ordinary things in our lives. We'll trust him to do remarkable things in our lives. See, small God, small faith. Big God, Limitless faith. The fuel for a Hall of Fame faith is all all that comes out of intimacy. And finally, a Hall of Fame faith is marked by encounter. A Hall of Fame faith is marked by encounter. After wrestling with the Lord all night, look at the closing verse of our text. It says, The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the Israelites do not eat the tendon attached to the socket of the hip because the socket of Jacob's hip was touched near the tendon. See, for the rest of his life, Jacob, Israel, would have a limp because of his encounter with God. Everywhere he went, he would carry around with him a literal reminder of the blessing of God in his life. You know, I wonder as he journeyed through life, when he he just needed these moments of great faith, and he would need great faith as we continue in his story, 
I wonder if Jacob would consider his limp. Marked forever by his encounter, his wrestle with God. And that limp would help him trust God for remarkable things. See, we all have limps. Maybe not physical limps like Jacob, but we all have markers. Things in our lives of, of, of our, our God encounters, those reminders, those, those markers of the amazing things that God has done in our lives. When God has come through in a really remarkable unusual way like if God didn't do it it wasn't going to happen we have those memories we have those markers those limps in our lives and they are there for a purpose because when we can look at what God did then we can trust him for what he'll do now and what he'll do tomorrow hey turn quickly to Hebrews 11 verse 21 it is the key text of our series, Hebrews 11, verse 21. It says this, it says, By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshipped as he leaned on the top of his staff. Okay, at the very end of his life, Jacob has his staff in his hand, the staff that he carried through his life to, to, to help him walk because of his, his hip. This, this staff, this reminder of his heavenly encounter, but now this once selfish and independent and faithless man was transformed as he's carrying his staff, this reminder of his God encounter. But no longer is he called deceiver or supplanter or heel grabber. What's he doing? It says in verse 21, look at verse 21. It says he's blessing others and he's worshiping God. Complete transformation. Jacob has become Israel. I, I just close with this story. You know, when my wife was about seven months pregnant with our second child, one night we were sitting in bed reading, and I turned to her and I said, Jacob, I think we should name him Jacob. And she like paused for a second and before she responded, she said, okay, two things. One, we don't know that it's going to be a boy. <laughs> and two, I, I, don't, I don't know, I'm not sure about that name. Like, doesn't it mean like deceiver and heel grabber? Like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to think about this for a few days. Give me a few days. So, okay, so the very next day at work, I was kind of getting my day started. I was organizing some stuff in the back room in the cooler at the store that I worked at back then when a colleague of mine came into, into the cooler where I was working. He said, hey man, I had a dream about you guys last night. This, this was unusual. We usually didn't talk about our dreams together. That wasn't our relationship. Our conversation usually centered around sports and food. <laughs> And so this caught my attention. I said, go on. 
And so he continued. He said, yeah, I had this crazy dream. You guys had had your baby. And you know, it was one of those crazy dreams. I was trying to get to the hospital to visit you guys so I could see the baby. But like, it, it was hard to get there. I couldn't get there. I kept getting sidetracked every time I got close to the hospital. But finally, finally, I reached the hospital and I got to visit with you guys and, your, and, and meet your baby. Oh, that's cool. I said, weird dream though. Like you should probably stop eating Big Macs right before you go to bed. And he laughed. He said, no, man, no. Like this was so vivid. I remember all the details of this dream. You actually had a baby boy. And like, I still remember the name that you gave him. You called your kid Jacob. I almost dropped the box I had in my hands and I said, what did you just say? Jacob. In, in my dream, you guys called your kid Jacob. What's the big deal? Like, why does your face look like that? <laughs> well, the big deal was, of course, I'd never told him about the name that I'd chosen. I mean, it only came up in our conversation with my wife literally the night before. <laughs> True story. And so I, I grabbed the phone that was on our desk no cell phones back then in our back pockets. Shows you how old I am. <laughs> and I said, you need to tell Deb that story right now. And I dialed our number. Well, needless to say, we, we had a boy. And his name is Jacob. <laughs> and you know, as, as I've kind of like processed that story over in my, my mind and my heart over the years since then, like, well, what was that about, Lord? Like, why? Why, why Jacob? Like, like, I don't think I fully know, but I, but I do know this. Every day, I have this, this person living in my house, this living, breathing reminder that I helped learn to talk and help learn to walk now he's like this, this man-child messing up his bedroom, eating all my food, rolling his eyes at my dad jokes. I'm just kidding. He's a great kid. He's given me permission to tell this story. But every day, there's this physical reminder in our lives that there's a God who turns Jacob's into Israel's. That there is a God who who transforms people. A God who turns hearts of stone into hearts of flesh. A God who can erase the mistakes of anyone's past and turn them into new creations. There's a God who can take faithless selfish people and turn them into faith-filled, radically risk-taking disciples of Jesus Christ, trophies of his grace. Monuments of his love and his power. A God who creates Hall of Famers. 
Jacob is a reminder that there is no one, no one beyond the redemptive grace and power of our God. See, Jacob stands as an example. There's hope for us all. And, you know, I, I, I just think that there's people watching today who need not, not just to hear that, but to believe it. Nothing in your past can disqualify you from having the dynamic, faith-filled relationship with God. Nothing. You are not defined by what you've done. You were defined by what, by what he's done. Press into a dynamic, authentic relationship with him. Walk in your new identity. Live like you believe he's, you are who he says you are. Pursue intimacy with him. Just celebrate his presence. Take moments of just seeing his face and saying, oh, Jesus, you're here with me. I just want to be with you. And let that lead to awe. And stand like Jacob as a trophy of his grace and love to this world. You know, I, I, I just want to close with a prayer of identity. By, by agreeing in prayer with God that we are who he says we are. And maybe just as a, a sign or you know, just a movement towards God, you might even just want to open your hands as I pray this prayer, just as, as a sign that, like, that you're praying it with me. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray that you would unlock my heart that I might be fully alive to my true identity in you. Give me clear revelation to see myself the way you see me. Help me to identify the lies of the enemy and reveal to me any places where I am chained to the past in a negative way. God, teach me to hear your voice and not believe the enemy's destructive lies about who I am. I thank you for my uniqueness that I made in your image and I choose to believe the truth about how you see me. I thank you that I can hope in the future and believe in the good destiny that you have for me. God, that you have vision for my future. Jesus, I want to know you on a deeper level. I don't want anything to hinder my relationship with you. I thank you that I am your child, John 1.12, that I've been justified, Romans 5.1, that I'm your friend, John 15.15. 15. I belong to you, 1 Corinthians 6.20. I'm a member of your body, 1 Corinthians 12.27. I have been established, anointed, and sealed by you, 
2 Corinthians 1, 21 and 22. I am a citizen of heaven, Philippians 3, 20. I am blessed in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing, Ephesians 1, 3. I am chosen before the creation of the world, Ephesians 1, 4 and 11. I am holy and blameless, Ephesians 1, 4. I am forgiven, Ephesians 1, 8, Colossians 1, 14. I have purpose, Ephesians 1, 9. I have hope, Ephesians 1, 12. I am included, Ephesians 1, 13. I am an overcomer, 1 John 4, 4. I am protected, John 10, 28. I am a new creation, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. I am qualified to share in your inheritance, Colossians 1, 12. I am the righteousness of God, 2 Corinthians 5.21, and I am safe, 1 John 5.18. I'm a part of your kingdom, Revelation 1.6. I can understand what your will is for me, Ephesians 5.17, and I have God's power, Ephesians 6.10. And I am victorious, 1 Corinthians 15.57. God, thank you for this new identity I have in you. And help me to live out of this truth in my life every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.